What's going on, coaches? Just a quick reminder, February 24th through 28th is the RTP20 Summit. We've got offensive, defensive head coaches, uh, as well as strength conditioning coaches all coming on. They're going to be uh, presenting, and they're going to be doing that free if you guys uh, get on there and watch it live. Every night, uh, we'll have two presentations, and that'll start at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. You guys can find it at runthepower.com or uh, the exact uh, URL, which is runthepower.com slash RTP20. Again, if you guys watch it live, it's completely free. Uh, but if you miss one or you want to re- go back over it, uh, you can get our all-access pass. They are uh, as cheap as they're going to be right now. Uh, they will go up again when the uh, summit starts. And then it's at the conclusion of the summit, they will go up to $105 again, uh, like all the other summits. So uh, you can find out all the information you want to know about um, RTP, the summit, um, our RTP premium, everything else, all of our podcasts, all at runthepower.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by our guys over at Just Play. Team at Just Play, as you guys know, has hooked us up with their product, uh, and it's been a game changer for us. Uh, We love the playbook tools that allow us to create our favorite blocking schemes. Uh, Obviously, power, counter, inside zone, pin and pull, a little bit of wide zone this year. Um, But it allows us to save the formations we normally use. And for me, the, the thing that saves me the most time is being able to save defensive formations, drag and drop those on top of my plays. Just Play is a limited time offer for RTP listeners only. Get my Just Play Pro for $120. That's $60 off the normal list price. Um, get this deal at JustPlaySolutions.com slash RTP. The best playbook tool on the market at JustPlaySolutions.com slash RTP. Don't wait. Go do it today. On today's episode of the podcast, we talk with Stephen Lowe. Coach Lowe is the offensive coordinator for the 2019 National Champions St. John Bosco High School in Bellflower, California. Listen as we talk with Coach Lowe about his awesome football background and the many offenses and coaches that have influenced his style. We also talk about coaching the best quarterback in the nation, in addition to tailoring your attack to match your personnel and attack all areas of the field. You can follow Coach Lowe on Twitter at Coach Stephen Lowe. Hope you guys enjoy. So I grew up uh, in Northern California, um, played for a little high school. It's known as the garlic capital of the world, Gilroy, California here. Um, so I ended up playing just high school ball and um, kind of wasn't really big enough to play and continue to play center and um, wasn't quite fast enough to take my hand out of the dirt and uh, play up. So um, decided just to go to college and you know, no real aspirations as a coach or to continue my football career or anything like that. But um, at the time, I was commuting to college, and uh, my drive was about two hours each way uh, with the traffic and everything. They were doing some crazy, yeah, some crazy highway construction. They were basically doubling the lanes. So, um, I mean, I I went to a full year of semester or a full year of college doing that and really got sick and tired of doing that and decided to come back to my junior college in town and just finish up my general ed and then transfer somewhere else after thing was over. But um, after my first year, my head coach caught wind that I was back in town and was, um, you know, he was, uh, trying to recruit me to bring me on staff. And, you know, I really have him to blame for, uh, for this curse as he called it. He used to call it, um, 
sell me the used car of coaching. <laughs> so just uh, sell me the life of, of, you know, working for free and doing a lot of good stuff. But um, no, he brought me on as a freshman coach and I ended up coaching O-line my first year at the freshman level. Um, that was a year out from um, pretty much from graduating. And uh, I was seeing a lot of kids I still played with and stuff on campus. So that was, that was kind of weird. But, you know, I figured I'd give it a shot. Heck, I got nothing else to do. I'm just going to go to school and, you know, I'll coach ball after school and, you know, go from there. And um, after a year of that, had a pretty great year. And he was like, hey, let's, let's bring you on up to the varsity level and, um, you know, bring you on as our assistant line coach. You can work with our interior three um, and then learn from uh, – one of the old line legends in, in Gilroy, you know, Rich Macy, he coached with Pete Carroll and stuff at, at the Pacific days. And he had a lot of knowledge and stuff to pass on to me. So um, ended up moving up to the varsity level in year two and uh, coached there and all mater for actually quite a bit and uh, kind of worked my way up and uh, through some head coaching changes, uh, a couple guys came and left, but um, ended up uh, calling over, taking over the offense in 2009 actually midway through the year, it was like game eight. And we were, it was a rough year. Our school had just been split in half. And um, we went from a school of about 3,500 kids and they got chopped down to about like 1,400 kids. Wow. So real quickly, just the, the talent pool. I mean, half your, half your student body is in the school across town. And, you know, you're used to having, you know, 70 kids come out every single year for varsity football. We have a program full of probably about 150 to 200 kids every single year. And also that number gets chopped in half. So we were struggling a little bit on offense and our head coach was calling the offense at the time. I was like, Hey man, you know, we're not going to make playoffs. We're kind of in a, in, in, you know, we just need a change. We need something else to, to spark us. So like, why don't you take over the offense for, you know, the remainder of the season. And um, my buddy, Chris Vassar, who's a DC at uh, Clovis right now out in central California, him and I basically sat up all night for, the whole weekend we were up for probably like 40 something hours <laughs> just uh, trying to figure out all right where do we go from here how do we get <laughs> this thing how do we make this work we got two more games and we got an outside shot maybe to make the playoffs if, if we can pull off these last two wins and let's see what happens so we cook up a pretty nice little game plan get back to fundamentals get back to we'll run the power that was probably the one thing we did that that week and uh we ended up scoring 53 points in, in the first game and we ended up beating our rival the next week. Uh, we had no shot I mean, going into it. You'd think, you know, at that time we were three and three and six at the time, or three, I think three, six at the time, and crazy outside chance of beating them. But we pull it off and somehow beat them 32 30 and upset them. And then we backdoored our way into the playoffs that year. So um, fast forward after that year, um, after another year, the head coach resigned. And so I figured, hey, I'll, I'll put my name in the hat and see if uh, I can maybe get the head job here. And I ended up getting it back in uh, 2011. So I took over my alma mater and got to, to coach, uh, got to kind of oversee the whole thing and, and really get to see the direction of the program go back where I wanted it. Um, had a good year on offense um, that year, but um, unfortunately they had no job on campus for me. So um, I had a job on campus during the season. And then after the season, they had to move some pieces around. And my job was basically the job that they needed to, you know, give to somebody else contractually. So principal brought me in and said, hey, um, you know, we love you. We'd love to keep you around, but you can't work here, unfortunately. 
So you're going to have to find work elsewhere or. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, at that point, you know, it wasn't fair to me to either one of two things were going to happen. Either I was going to stay around and scrap up whatever work I can, I can find to make a living and be there to, to coach. As, as you guys know, it's a full-time job, just being a head guy and, you know, trying to run a program and also trying to put food on the table at the same time. Or I can go ahead and go work elsewhere and then not be there for the kids. And now the kids are suffering. So at that point I had stepped down and um, decided to move on. And uh, when that happened, uh, Chris Vassar came back in the, in the story and um, he ended up taking over a defensive coordinator job just up the road and was like, Hey man, like, I know you just, you know, just stepped down and I really need a D line coach. I know you've never played or coached the look of defense before, but you know, I'd love to, to bring you on staff and get a chance to work with my buddy again. So I was like, Hey, let's do it. And, that was probably the best move I think I probably could have made as an offensive coordinator is just jumping on the other side of the ball and just learning how defenses, you know, go and break down offenses, how they go and attack them, how they game plan for them, what they're thinking. I think it's the best thing for me to see the other side, just to, you know, see what, what the enemy's doing basically and get back in there and kind of dig in and be kind of like a covert spy and then bring it back over to the good side. and and. Um, so I decided, hey, why not? Let's just let's coach D line and see what's happened. So um, ended up doing that for one year, and then throughout the process of that, um, we we were there and ended up playing our our last league game versus Sarah High School, which is in San Mateo, up in Northern California, just south of the Bay, um, San Francisco, and uh, we ended up shutting them out. They were like the top offense of the year, running double wing and running uh, the flex bone. And they were smoking people, just putting 50 points up a night pretty much on guys and running people out of the stadium. And um, we ended up cooking up a pretty good game plan against them and, um, and stopping them that, that night. So that ended up leading to a conversation with their head coach and a um, bunch of things fell into place. And, you know, lo and behold, we ended up moving up the road to Sierra San Mateo. And we, uh, we stayed there and for about a five-year stint. So while there, I, I took over the offense, went back to the good side and ended up going back to doing what I do uh, on the offensive side of the ball. And um, it was interesting because I, 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 we had to transition a when, – when, when Patrick Walsh, the head coach there at Sarah, hired me, he had three non-negotiables. They had just kind of gone off through a, a huge stretch of some success, but they couldn't really ever get over the hump. They'd kind of fallen short, um, literally fallen short at the one-yard line twice um in the same year preventing him from a league title and a section title so you know he was soul searching and really looking for what's that what's what can we do to get over that that extra half a yard what can we do to we have to change something that we're doing you know to get over that last little hump so he decided to take from you know the flex bone offense and hey let's let's move this offense and and let's spread it out we got some good athletes let's get people out in space and, and let's see what happens let's throw the football down the field so his three non-negotiables were, hey, I, I want to spread us out. I want to be in four wide. Um, you know, I want to be a tempo team. And I still want to be a double wing team. You know, I still think there's a toughness factor that, you know, in high school football, you, you, you know, the, the tougher team wins. And when you need to be tough at, at late in the game, those are the teams that, that always come out on top. So that was, those are three non-negotiables. So I was like, well, I don't know anything about the double wing, but, I mean, I'm willing to learn and I'm willing to do it. And, you know, I'm a spread guy at heart. 
you know, most mostly been in 10 personnel my entire career. So I was, um, I was like, all right, let's do this. I'm definitely a tempo guy and we'll spread it out just fine. So we had to take basically a 30 personnel team and we were taking running backs and putting them in the slot and motion them in and using them as running backs and getting them out in slots to, to throw the ball. But we ended up kind of converting that offense from, you know, a, a, a 30 personnel flex bone team to a 10 personnel spread option team. And we were really based just in three simple runs and got really good at three option runs. You run in zone read, power read, and stretch read. And then we ran the double wink. So it was kind of an interesting mix. I mean, we were kind of a Jekyll and Hyde team for a good five-year stretch there because we jump in, you know, 10 personnel for a majority of the game. And all of a sudden we roll out, you know, 32 and <laughs> bring all the big boys out. And all of a sudden, you know, you were like, what's is this, is this OC's like? It must be you know schizo or something like that but it, it worked out really well actually you know the, the major deficiencies of spread football when you get in those situations where you can't stretch them horizontally or vertically anymore it's well let's, let's bring them in tight and let's smash them downhill and uh it was a good philosophy and it worked it worked really well for us i mean we we would bring it out as a change of pace offense and the open field and hmm. you know obviously in in third down in shorts or fourth in shorts and, and inside the goal line, it was killer for us. And of course. Yeah. It was amazing. Actually, the, we didn't have to practice the double wing as much just because our package was so limited. I mean, we were basically power strong and weak. We're basically an inside a gap power where we cave everything down and then we'd run a, a wide version of power where we block down with the wing, cave everyone down and then tunnel up everybody inside. And then we were, you know, pretty much a fly sweep, jet sweep, and then um, some wedge dives. And it, it was surprisingly easy to mix in with, with our spread practice. So it was, it was kind of interesting because we would take, you know, we were a two-platoon team uh, at Sarah, but uh, for the doubling period, it would be like kind of like a special team to be an all-hands-on-deck. We'd take the toughest 11 kids and roll them out in the field and, and, and let them go play ball. So. That was a fun little uh, little mix there. I really enjoyed that that period of time. Um, ended up having some pretty good success there, Walt Sarah. Um, we hung a couple banners with some league titles, some section titles. We won some regional NorCal titles, and then won a state title in 2017. And uh, after the 2017 season, um, wasn't really looking to to move or or to leave anywhere. Um, I don't know if you know anything about the housing market in in the Bay Area, but to try to make it as a football coach in the Bay Area is pretty rough. I don't know. I don't know much about it, but I just know thinking of California in general, I just think of everything as being millions of dollars. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's the only only thing I could ever think of. I mean, you could, you could take the same house and take a look in, in what would be a $200,000 home in, in Texas or Ohio could be a $2 million home in the Bay area. Jeez. So, I mean, just the, you know, it was just, I was working seven days a week, pretty much about like 11 months out of the year of working everything I possibly could just kind of scrape, uh, scrape the bucket and, and to make ends meet. And, um, you know, it was, it was definitely wearing just had just gotten married a couple of years before and thinking about having a kid and it was just not really feasible to, to do in the area just cause, um, I mean, you literally have to make $250,000 a year just to buy a home. <laughs> so, Jeez. you know, as a football coach, that's not happening. I, I just unfortunately didn't marry a sugar mama. So, uh, unfortunately, couldn't make that happen. But, um, 
<laughs> actually, um, just just in passing, um, St. John Bosco had been had just lost their offensive coordinator. He took over uh, the head coaching job at Mission Viejo, another strong program down here in Southern California, and uh, a job had opened up. And I, I wasn't really even looking. I uh, didn't even throw my name in the hat originally um, when they when they post that job and we're going on a search. Um, but Chris Vassar once again comes in and he's just having a, a, a quick chat with their DC at St. John Bosco. And, you know, they're just saying, Hey, how's the, how's the OC hunting going? You know, they, they've really been looking for somebody that come recommended and someone that can kind of, uh, you know, kind of be the right fit. And uh, they've gotten a lot of candidates, but you know, kind of nobody who came in and, and, and um, really took over, you know, that, that, uh, job search so you know chris was like hey man uh i know a guy actually if you guys are still interested and, and i was actually in the area for uh just a disneyland trip with the wife and um i told uh my wife i was like hey you know every year we, we go on a trip and get away from football and uh i was like hey by the way now that we're on this this trip to get away from football how do you feel about me uh going in and going in on the interview <laughs> down here <laughs> You got the kids but, at Disneyland. You're good. Oh it's man, good. I'm good. I'm good to go. So, <laughs> I mean, she she's a trooper. I mean, she's she um, she was with me as a position coach, a coordinator, a head coach. I mean, she's been through it all. So, I mean, she was like, "All right, why not? Let's let's do it." I signed up for all this. So, go have at it. So, <laughs> you awesome. know, I ended up having a conversation. Everything really went well, and um, they ended up uh, offering me the job soon thereafter. And um, you know, packed up my bags and packed up a U-Haul and, and drove down the 400 miles to move down to Southern California. So brought the whole family down, uh, you know, um, you know, brought it down to, you know, a great area. I mean, you can't ask for anything else better than, than sunshine, you know, 11 months out of the year. And, you know, but you're, you're just talking about a great area of football just with uh, a massive amount of talent and, you know, great coaches and a great brand of football. So, you know, I definitely wanted to take on the challenge and getting the opportunity to play, you know, top teams in the nation and joining a league that that's very prestigious and produces a lot of talent. And and, and that challenge really excited me. So I, I said, hey, let's jump in and let's do this. So um, that was the 2018 season was my first year. And I was just so lucky enough to just walk into a, a top quarterback in the nation and a bunch of returning talent around them. I mean. I'd be a fool to to say that, you know, all this is a scheme. This is all about players. I mean, we had some phenomenal kids that come here to St. John Bosco. Um, they're excited to learn. They're excited to play football. And it's really about um, – there's a lot of competition that, that, that just happens within our own practice that just leads to, you know, iron sharpening iron. You know, our, our kids really challenge and push each other every single day, and that, that really pushes the bar of what we're able to accomplish because – you take great talent and you make them compete really hard against each other. And then you put, you know, some good schemes for them to go and execute out there. It's good things are usually going to happen. So, you know, we, um, we'd gone through a pretty successful year and um, we, we had won the league title and then rolled into the playoffs that year and, and literally just played the worst game of uh, our season at the, at the wrong time in our section championship game. And, um, you know, unfortunately, you know, lost that one in a tight one versus modern day who ended up, uh, win it at all at the end of the year and um, finishing up as number one in the nation in some polls. Um, and that, that really fed us into the the next year where got back back into our off season and, um, you know, got back to work and really had a chip on our shoulder. And 
our kids really approach this season with um, a great deal of, uh, of hunger and just um, really had a blue collar work ethic to them. You know, you think in the LA Hollywood area and you have all these prima donna kids and stuff and all these highlight videos and all this other hoopla that goes on down here in Southern California. But you know, our kids really did buckle down and, and uh, they, they really brought, uh, a blue collar work ethic that you, you don't really necessarily see with, you know, a bunch of four and five star athletes and stuff that, you know, you, you'd think would just be, you know, a situation where it'd be kind of Hollywood, but um, ended up uh, playing pretty solid this year and um, had one loss in the middle of the year versus modern day. I mean, just playing them, you know, in our league and having to face them again for a second time, uh, in our section final every single year, you know, this, that's the challenge and, and that's what you're going to face every single year. You're going to have to go through, you know, a top three team in the nation and you're going to beat them twice. And um, so we really approached uh, this year knowing that it was going to be a, you know, definitely a marathon, knowing that we're going to have to see them for eight quarters of football and possibly more and um, ended up getting them uh, in a pretty dramatic game in, in the section finals. We were down. Um, 28 to five at one point with about five minutes to go in the half and uh, ended up punching uh, and, and winning really the middle eight minutes of, of the game. We punched one and going into halftime and then came out of halftime and punched another one in, put the pressure back on them and then ended up squeaking by 39, 34 in a, in a pretty dramatic game and then finished it off with the state title versus De La Salle, who's always a tough opponent. I mean, you you don't build a streak with a 151 game one streak without doing some things right and um ended up finishing off and capping off the right way with a state and then national title well that's a uh, pretty awesome uh, uh way to end it um uh, I apologize. I didn't get to watch you guys this year because we got beat in the semifinals. And so I, uh, I swore off high school football for the year. Uh, but <laughs> oh, yeah. did, did you get to bring uh, – or not get to. Did you bring any of the um, double wing goal line stuff um, over with you? Or is that something that you kind of left behind? Or, or um, did you get I, to bring any of that with you? So I didn't get to bring it with me. Um, you know, just kind of based off the, the personnel and stuff that we had, it kind of felt like – Hey, let's let's put that on the shelf for a little bit, but it may make a comeback pretty soon. So we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> so what? So did you guys just stay in in a uh, in kind of your regular offense when you got into the goal line short yardage stuff, or did you yeah, have a we, different package for that? Uh, we rolled with two different things. We did depends on you know how deep we were inside the red zone goal line. Um, you know, in really short yardage, we would bring in twelve personnel and roll with two tight ends, and then um, you know just between like a balanced ace formation and tight end wing stuff. You know, we kind of based a lot of our short yardage attack off of that. Running mostly, you know, power counter and then outside zone. Coach, you talk a little bit about, I know, you know, you and I have messaged back and forth and we talk about you know, DJ and, and I got to watch you guys the, the last couple games. I, I love it. I mean, I don't, I don't usually stay up that late. I got to record it and I'm getting old these days. So I'll, I'll record it and watch it. But, uh, you know, obviously have a blast, you know, Talk a little bit about when, when you have the primo talent uh, kind of like that. I mean, what, what is your philosophy going into it? Because I'm sure there's a lot of different coaches that wonder, you know, are you super hard on him? Are you, you know, are you trying to continually pump him up? You know, does it depend on the kid? Um, or, was, you know, is that one of those deals where 
you know, I'm going to, I'm going to coach the, the heck out of him, coach him super hard. Am I going to put a lot on his plate or am I going to try to do everything I can to just kind of stay out of his way? Well, I think with, with any kid superstar or, or I mean, you're going to coach him hard. You're going to have standards for him. Um, you know, I, I try to give him eventually as, as the two years came through as much of the keys to the offense as he wanted. And the, the great thing about working with a kid like DJ is he's hungry. He wants them to learn. He wants to be, he wants to be the best kid out there. And, and, you know, despite all the talent he has in the world, that's not even the most spectacular thing about him. I mean, he's the most humble, hardworking kid that you can have. And when you have a superstar like that, that's has that five-star talent, but also the humility to realize that he doesn't have all the answers and he wants to learn and he wants to get better. I mean, that, that's when things get really special. And, and that's kind of what makes him who he is. Because there's no doubt in my mind that, you know, he has the strongest arm, you know, out there in high school football. And, and you know, and they're, they're using him right now as Joe Burrow basically this week in practice. He, he enrolled early. But um, what separated him and, and what made it special about coaching him was that you could really push him and he would ask for more. I mean, he'd want, he'd want you to push him hard. He'd want you to keep him to a high standard. Um, you know, he would keep the offense after practice to go work on stuff if things weren't right. He would, you know, want to spend extra time in meetings and getting on the board to draw things up and to make sure that, you know, any type of checks or any things that we had going in that week that he was, he was schooled up and ready to go. So, you know, coaching him, you know, did I have to yell and scream at him? No, because he was self-motivated to, to get after that. So more of it was just, just pushing as much knowledge in his, in his brain as possible and just giving as much information as much things to process so that he can take it and run with it and the nice thing is you know he processed really quickly so you know the, the amount of things that we can do with him were, were pretty spectacular obviously coach you've been at some some awesome some great high schools and some big high schools in california but uh then you go to a, a storied place um where you are now and you come in to be the offensive coordinator which I, and and they've been um you know the, like i said a, a program that everybody knows across the country was there any any thoughts of okay, what can I bring in and what can't I? Because this is such a big program. I mean, it's easy to go into uh, some school that no one's ever heard of, that's never played very, that's never any good, and you can feel comfortable bringing whatever offense you want to. Like like you did your first year when you know when you guys were in the middle of the season and mm -hmm. only had three wins. There's there's no no nothing to be anxious about there. You're probably not making the playoffs anyways. But when you go to a place that is a storied place that is has high expectations and now you're bringing in your offense and they've had a certain offense for you know however long was that something that um was something to think about when you came over i mean it definitely it, it was on my mind but um to be honest it was i always work at i, I look at issues and I, I look at things backwards so i mean for us to, to fix the problem of scoring points and you know getting yardage is all about players and when we have a, a bunch of receivers laying around and we got a quarterback that can sling it around the yard, I mean, you want to build it to highlight your guys. So, I mean, it, it wasn't like a huge amount of time thinking about, all right, like what should we really do or what, we, what, what should we do? I mean, when, when you look at the players that you have, you know, that are playing for you and what their skill set is, I mean, it's pretty easy to, to cook some things up. And um, re really it was just highlighted off of what we had. And that was, that was the, the, the major thing that, drove the decisions of what we wanted to do as an offense and, and what we wanted to major in um, instead of more of like, Hey, I, I really want to force feed the double win because that's what, that, that's what I want to do. I mean, that, that doesn't make sense when we have a bunch of receivers that are hanging around and 
a bunch of backs that are really good in space, you know, it, it made more sense for us to, hey, let's, you know, let's utilize the attack that we're going to use to get these guys, get these athletes out in space and they'll go make plays. So that was kind of more of the thought process that I had. Coach, watching you guys, I know, I mean, obviously a, a lot of precision passing and, and things that you guys did. Um, just, just wondering my, myself, you know, was it a lot of stuff that, you know, you're calling? Was it a lot of stuff that maybe DJ is, is checking it to? Or was it some stuff that you uh, you were relying, you know, on your receivers to maybe kind of read and, and adjust things on the run, maybe kind of run and shoot style? What 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 kind of is, is your philosophy on that? Or maybe it's a, a mix of all three. I think there's a, a – a, in our offense, there's a mix. Um, you know, I feel like going back to, like, my option, you know, principles and stuff that I've taken a look at in the run game, You usually when you're running option football, it's like, well, if you can't read them, block them. If you can't block them, read them. Well, kind of the same thing on the passing offense. You know, if they're giving us a mixture of coverages, well, let's read it and let's get our guys in the best, you know, space possible. And there's other times where, hey, it's kind of hard to read this defender because they're kind of in no man's land or the technique that they're playing is making things really muddy. Well, in that case, let's just call things and let's let guys run by people or let's let people just break and, and, and work intermediate routes on time. So that's kind of what drives my philosophy of, of what we're calling. So there's there's some weeks where, hey, we're – we're calling our base four vertical concept and then we're letting our guys bend into open space. We're letting guys drop out into underneath windows. If, if guys are just capping the routes off and bailing out of the stadium, you know, obviously if we're even, we're, we're taking off and we're getting out of there. So, and then there's other weeks where if we're getting teams that are kind of giving us very, very gray areas and things that are really tough to look at, then we'll call it for our guys and just let our guys play fast. So it really depends on, you know, what we're getting that week or, or, or how teams are adjusting to us within game. You had talked about earlier, uh, you know, one of, the, one of the things that you credit to most with your off, uh, as being a better offensive coordinator uh, was your time that you spent as a D-line coach with, with Coach Vass. Um, how would – is that something that you would, you would tell another coach that if they're wanting to be a coordinator, that's something that they should do? Um, how, how, you know, how do you – I guess – Speaking as a selfish guy that likes that loves offense, um, how do you weigh that with okay? Let's go spend a few years doing something that maybe I'm not as comfortable with or not as excited about, uh, so it can benefit me more on offense. And what are some of those things that you did learn? Some of those big key things that you learned while over on the defense. Yeah. So I mean, first question. I think um, if I were to give advice to an offense coordinator, I would say. Uh, first of all, you need to spend some time coaching in the box. I mean, you, you got to coach either offense or defensive line or something where you, you're understanding the run game and pass protections because it all starts from there. I mean, it, it doesn't matter what routes we're drawing up or, or what run scheme we're, we're drawing up. If you don't understand, you know, how the run game fits in with the whole offense or how pass protection fits in. So I, that's my first piece of advice. I would say definitely start inside because I think the closer you get to the football, the closer you get to the line of scrimmage, the more technical things are. And, you know, there's, there's definitely techniques and stuff like that for running backs and for, you know, receivers and stuff. But I just think with the, the space constrictions and how much like a six-inch step or a three-inch step the wrong way matters, you know, learning that stuff and understanding it and understanding how hard it is so that you don't just keep loading on run schemes because, hey, this looks good on paper. But in a practical week, you, you can't do it all. There's no way because – Maybe you don't have the understanding, but if you understand how the run game works and how difficult it is to get five guys working in the right direction and, 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 and working together, 
I think that's the first piece of advice I would give. Uh, if you can spend any time on the defensive side of the ball, I would say jump on that as fast as you can. I mean, I'm glad I, I got it. Unfortunately, I got it for one year. But, I mean, just the one year, just seeing how – especially how thorough Coach Vass is in, in, in defensive breakdowns, um, just seeing how often – or how defenses are taught their keys, um, how, how stances and, and different things will tip off, you know, different coverages or whatnot. Um, it just gives you a beat. It gives you a, a better understanding of how to attack it when you understand, hey, um, you know, if if you're playing a, you know, you're playing a three technique and, you know, there are two gapping guy versus, a, you know, in the gap upfield guy, well, how do you attack that differently? You know, how would you, how would you attack it based on, you know, how they're teaching their, their, their defensive, uh, their line, you know, you know, for uh, looking at the secondary, I mean, you're taking a look at um, with how split field coverages are and how, like, for instance, Coach Fast teaches the secondary of having a, a strong side call and a backside call, trips call and a assault side call. Um, you can understand, hey, this is how the coverage fits together. Um, here's how they're, you know, communicating so that, you know, they can wall off guys from crossing. Well, as an offensive guy, if I know, if there's split field coverage and hey, we can beat that low wall, uh, you know, in stubby coverage or you know special coverage or whatever you want to call it. Well, you know, we got a good, we got ourselves a good play. You know, if you understand who's a run pass conflict, you can get the RPO game going. So I think just understanding how defensive structures fit just helps to helps you when you go back to the offensive side and, and develop schemes to to take advantage of their weaknesses and things that they're inherently giving up. You know, as, as every defense has inherent weakness and strength. Is that is that just things that you learned by osmosis? I mean, just learned by by being there? Because, uh, you know, you talked about some of these coverages and different things, but you're also trying to learn how to teach your defense line most efficiently because you haven't mm -hmm. taught that yet. And, and But obviously you're learning all these other things. Are those things that you set out to learn as a defensive line coach for offense or just by coaching defense you were around it so much that uh, it just started making sense to you? Well, I think a little bit um, – it was mostly osmosis, kind of seeing everything and, and just watching film with Coach Vass and, and seeing, you know, what he's looking at and asking him questions of, hey, how does this fit into the whole scheme of things this week? And, and you know, we talk a lot of ball on the side too. So just, you know, just constantly just wanted to know just because, hey, Vance, is like, get back to the offensive side. I want to know, hey, how, how are we going to attack this coverage, you know, when I go back to the offense? So, I mean, luckily he – He'd always uh, help me out and, and give me some good tips and things of, of their rules and, and what things would hurt, you know, that giving coverage and whatnot. Yeah, I know, I know being a GA, the, the two times I was in, those were my two favorite, you know, two favorite things to do. You know, obviously you get all your work done and the stuff that you need to get done on the offensive side, but I always tried to sneak over to the, the defensive coordinator. And, and like you said, when they were doing their, their film sessions, sitting in on those, doing the osmosis and then you luckily you have a couple of dcs that are you know pretty open to you asking questions because there are a lot of hey man you're a ga you're supposed to hear to you're supposed to be here to learn these things and i and i just learned an immense amount of football like you said be it a spring or be it you know an off season or even just sitting in on some of the game plan means no and i'm not going to have any say as a as a ga in the offensive game plan i'd go over to that side because i wanted to hear you know, some of the things that they're wanting to do, not to mention when I was coaching defensive scout team, you know, having to do the same things, but, but picking those things up 100% agree with you on 
it makes you a much better offensive coordinator coming out of it. That the one year I did at Tulsa, the the next year literally I felt like it the game was going in slow motion after I'd done that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's just so much easier when you when you're taking a look at you know a certain guy's alignment or where his eyes are looking, and you know, you take a look at the triangle of defenders around, and you're like, okay, I'm, I have an idea of what they're trying to do, or you know, you get back to breaking down other teams, and you get to see, all right, they're they're trying to run this the structure of the scheme, and hey, maybe this defender has some bad eyes, or he's not, you know, maybe he's got bad technique or something like that that puts him out of position and. Well, that's the guy you're going to attack. That's the guy you're going to go after in, in, in your game plan. Coach, are there any things you guys do kind of group-wise, you know, to, to kind of isolate some of the skills, you know, be it for like, you know, do you do like group RPO periods or do you know you do like half-line pass? Are there things that you guys kind of do that, that you feel might, you know, might kind of accelerate the learning curve or, or maybe take it to that next level for, you know, the, the, the caliber of kid that you guys are putting on the field in the past game? Oh yeah, um, we definitely um, we'll work a variety of periods throughout the week. But um, what I feel like uh, we do best is um, we really dial down, you know, each route. And there's times where we might want to speed up tempo, but there's also times where we want to slow things down and really get into the nuts and bolts of how to properly run a given route, so you can adjust it versus multiple looks and coverages, so that when kids get to you know a, a game, it's they've seen every look you could possibly get. They, they know what to do versus inside, outside leverage, pressing off, guys that are pedaling, guys that are catching. You know, there's no real scenarios that we haven't talked about, seen on film, you know, repped on, on air, repped, you know, versus one-on-ones, half-line, seven-on-seven, uh, team pass periods, RPO periods, you name it. So, I mean, I, I think the, our, our practice schedule for, for the week um, switches up daily depending on what the emphasis of our team periods are. And we always work backwards. So, you know, for instance, on Mondays, our first down day, our open call all day. And uh, we really work backwards there to say, all right, our end goal is to get, you know, these 15 plays in, in team period as good as possible. And let's, let's reverse engineer it and build it backwards and say, all right, these are the run plays we're working on. These are the pass plays. And then break it down into, you know, some sort of pass skelly drill and some sort of endo drill, some sort of run skelly drill some sort of run endo drill. And that's kind of how we script out our practice for the day so that the calls that we're working on for that day, um, all the drills, uh, all the skelly drills that we're doing all matching up so that, you know, we're basically going to get as many reps of that play before we do it live and for real in our team periods. Coach, I'm kind of curious, uh, you know, going through your run game and, and your kind of process of it, uh, you know, I'm sure you get film on a, on a weekend and you break it down and you have a general run game concept by, by Monday of what you want to uh, attack that team with. Um, are, are you, do you go through and, and look uh, formation? Okay, th- these are the formations that, um, that they line up, you know, with, that we've got a benefit to, so we need to be in these formations. Uh, are you a guy that, you know, we, I know we like these three runs and let's go find the three best formations to run these three runs. Do you go through each formation and find a, a weak and a strong run? Or, or how, how do you go through and what's your process for uh, the run game when you're getting ready for uh, a team each week? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I always try to build some, some balance um, in our run game. So, I mean, just kind of like series-based football where you've got to have something that hits strong side you know, inside and outside, strong side, outside and then and, and, uh, to the strong and weak side. 
and some sort of gap scheme that hits. So, you know, with our menu, we, we basically have the full menu of plays. That's, you know, some weeks we might highlight power more often than, you know, our inside zone scheme. And there's other weeks where we might highlight it based off the looks that we're getting and the fronts and the movements that we're getting post snap. Um, but uh, really what I try to do is, you know, we'll go in and look at all right, personnel groupings, formations, you know, scenarios and stuff and see really, you know, what, 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 what's the defense giving us? I mean, really that's kind of a simple philosophy that I've kind of always gone with is just taking what the defense is giving you. So, I mean, if they're giving you, you know, some sort of, a, you know, advantageous bubble off of a given formation, well, let's, let's push that issue and force them to adjust and let's keep taking it until they get into something else. And, um, you know, once they take that away, then, you know, we'll open something else up or, you know, go back to it later in the game and cycle back through it. But um, really it's just, we don't have a huge run menu. Um, I, I just believe that with gap schemes and zone schemes and with tagging, you know, fullbacks and receivers and running backs on different things, you can create a lot of uh, things for the defense to think about without stressing out the, the front five guys, uh, you know, up front doing all the dirty work. Um, I think the, the, less schemes you can go with up front and the more time you can spend on the technique of moving people out of the way, which is incredibly hard. Uh, I think the better off you're going to be. And I think just with simple tags and with the passing game, you know, there's enough to think about for a defense to have to defend all of it. Which it, along those same lines, then, you know, thinking about the, the pass protection, how many protections will you carry with your guys? And do you try to kind of keep the, the same amount of carryover or that, or, or will you kind of change it up, you know, where you, you still will pull some guys or you guys will, you know, full slide it, man sort some things. How, how diverse do you guys get then in your protection schemes? Uh, we, we'll carry about, about three to five protections at max all year and really only using about maybe two of them, maybe three a game. And we're base, you know, half side, you know, half side slide, man side protection, just a six man protection. So um, that's, that's our base, and that's kind of where we, we start from first. And uh, we full side a little bit, not, not a ton, um, but we, we use it in certain scenarios and situations where, um, you know, getting a lot of movement or things that, you know, things are happening up front that are giving us some issues. We'll have that in our back pocket. Um, and we'll have a couple of small adjustments and tweaks to those protections to, to fit up whatever pressures that we're game playing for the week and, and what we're expecting. With you guys being uh, obviously so good these past few years, or and and having you know such success, and and uh, I know you play some really really good teams, obviously, uh, but I'm assuming you also play some teams that are are lower tier, and it seems like when you do that, um, you could come out and they don't have any reason all the time to keep running their defense because they don't think that it's necessarily going to work. They could come out and be in anything crazy um, to try to maybe have a chance against you guys. H have you seen that uh, at all from some of those teams? Um, and, and if so, how do you prepare for that, um, kind of prepare for the unknown each week? I mean, uh, we, we definitely get our fair share of, like, the defense of the week type thing. And guys just saying, hey, let's, let's try to, you know, smooth or stunt or blitz more, or give them some crazy – post snap movements and coverage but um really i think uh going back to your, your plays that you've banked a lot of reps in 
and going back to what you do well. I mean, I, I think our guys have seen, you know, movements and stunts and blitzes and they're able to pick that stuff up front. And in the secondary, it's, it's a little cleaner because you have a little more time and, and space to, to decipher what's going on. But I think going back to what you do well and just going back to the, the bank reps because whatever thing they've cooked up for the week, you know, if they're, they're throwing, you know, stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks, we've most likely gotten more reps versus some sort of structure like that than they have gotten reps on going against us. So if we're playing at full speed and, and you know, we're, we're doing things that we know and love, um, I, I feel like that's, that's really the best way to, to approach those situations. Um, how to prepare for it. I mean, you can chase ghosts all day long and drive yourself nuts, but at some point in time, um, you know, fronts are going to boil down to, uh, is it an even front, an odd front? Is it some sort of bare front where they're covering you? Are they going to blitz? Are they going to sit back? And then coverage-wise, is it, you know, man coverage? Is it zone? Are they matching you? Are they spot dropping? I mean, there's really so many things that they can do. And, you know, us giving our team as many variety of looks throughout our spring ball practices, our summer practices, and um, throughout the year, especially as, as the year goes on, hopefully we've seen uh, enough of those looks to where um, well, we prepare for it if we, if we do get in the game. Coach, can you talk a little bit about um, your head coach, Coach Negro? Um, like I said, I'm, I'm not, not super, you know, educated on, on Cali football. I follow it from afar. But, you know, just, just hearing and seeing some of the interviews and, and reading some of the things I've read about him, it just sounds like, you know, a, a guy that's, that's pretty grounded and he seems like he'd be a, a really cool dude to work for. Oh, he's, he's great to work for. Um, I mean, he, he's an alum of the school, so he, he cares deeply about, you know, where St. John Bosco football is going. And, um, you know, he's really the one that's built this program to where it is. I mean, uh, since coming here, um, the amount of success that they've had and, and, and what they've done is has gone through the roof. I mean, before he got there, they hadn't, hadn't won a section title in, geez, I don't know how many years. But, um, you know, since he's gotten here, I mean, He's won three state titles, two national titles, and he's really turned it around within a 10-year period. But um, it, the major key to, to his success is he does a phenomenal job of just of finding the right person to fit whatever role that he's looking to fill and then empowering them to do the job and then basically saying, get it done. You know, if, if we're not getting it done, if we're, we're sucking on offense, we'll definitely hear an earful and he'll, he'll let us know and he'll, he'll get us straight. But for the most part, he steps back and he says, hey, I hired you to do a job and I trust you. Um, you know, here's the tools to get it done. Go get it done. So that, that, that when, when you give that person, when you give a coordinator, you give a coach that much, um, that much stake into the whole process is, you know, it, it gives them ownership to, to the position groups and, and to your, your coordinators. And when you have that, you know, you're going to honor that with the amount of work and effort that's going to take to to do what we set out to do as a team. So I think that's, that's really one of the best things he does. Um, I mean, he really has built this program and built a brand up to a point where, you know, kids are excited about coming to St. John Bosco and excited about, you know, playing for him. So when, when you're looking for uh, a coach to help you out, right, you got, you've got all these other position coaches and, and uh, maybe you've been a part of some of that hiring process and, or at least I'm sure you've been a part of it in your, uh, years as an offensive coordinator, uh, and you go into some of those meetings, what are, what are some things that you're looking for in a coach, an assistant coach, uh, that you think can help you uh, 
be a better better facilitate you as an offensive coordinator? Well, um, yeah, I definitely roll in the same um, the same philosophy as Jason of just you know bringing the right person in and empowering them to do their job and and not micromanaging every part. So really, what I'm looking for first of all is uh, we're just looking for good people. I mean, you've got to this is a this is a relationship built you know business and you know we're we're in a in a place where we get to build some pretty strong relationship with with a bunch of kids who are at a stage in their life where you know they, they need some guidance and they need some help and um that that's the first thing i mean you've got to bring in great individuals and kids that are or men that are doing it for the right reason i mean uh at a place like this a lot of people can be jumping into kind of taking this as the as the next step to move on to a bigger better something and you know there's some merit to that and, and definitely want people to, to further their careers and do that stuff. But if that's the main motivator and it's not about the kids then it's not the right fit. I mean, at, at St. John Bosco, it really is student centered and, and really about our student athletes and, you know, finding somebody that cares about the kids on a deeper level gets to build a relationship with them, you know, on and off the field. And that's really what we're looking for first. Cause you know, I, I still remember my high school coaches, um, I couldn't name a single teacher I had, you know, my sophomore year of high school, but I can tell you who my freshman line coach was and I can tell you who my sophomore line coach was, but that's the type of person I'm looking for uh, right off the bat. And, um, you know, the second thing is just a, a, a relentless work ethic. I think if you care and you work really hard, you know, whatever schemes or whatever techniques or whatever thing you were doing, um, you know, a young hungry coach that cares about the kids, we'll put in that work. We'll learn whatever we're trying to teach and we'll put that passion in forward to the kids. So I think those are the two biggest things that, that I'm looking for when we're looking at assistant coaches. Well, coach, I'm also kind of curious, um, you know, on the other end of that, uh, it seems like, and I'm sure you've had some things that didn't work out for you very well at, at times, but it seems like, uh, you know, you've done a great job of, of, um, finding some amazing jobs and, and getting those jobs. You know, I'm sure um, thousands of people would have liked to have been the offense coordinator at the, at the last uh, few places that you've been, and, and you've, you've got that job. Um, is there – and I don't know – I don't want this to sound like tips or hints, but what are some things maybe that you think you did well in the interview process, or uh, do you think it was film that you showed, or uh, what are some things that, that you think maybe – uh, pushed your name along in the in the interview process that um, that kind of let you shine above maybe some of these other coaches that I'm sure were were quality uh, coaches as well. Uh, I mean, I, I would say in my my certain situation, it's all about networking. I mean, I, just the the amount of people that I, I've been you know introduced to and and stuff throughout my coaching career, and specifically Chris Vassar. I mean, that dude right there. I mean. I wouldn't be here without, without him. I mean, cause without him, you know, having a relationship with Chris King, our defense coordinator here at Bosco and without him basically pushing my name forward, I wouldn't be here. I mean, that's, that's plain and simple. So, I mean, it, I think it's just meeting and, and, and just being a genuine person to as many coaches as possible. I mean, it's a small profession and it's a small world. It's a small community. And um, I just think if you're a good person and, and you do, this thing for the right, you know, you, you, you coach for the right reasons and you're going out there hungry and willing to learn and willing to share. Um, I think that's the, the most important thing that I've learned just throughout a career is just, 
this is a very, very, very small profession. I think you just, you got to do things the right way and treat people the right way. And, you know, just, just be willing to, to get to know people and, and to share your knowledge and, and to learn from people. I think that's the biggest thing to you know, all the places I've been. It's, it's kind of where, what, what's led me to get there. Coach, how much are you able to kind of glean and pull from, you know, the multitude of college coaches that are rolling through St. John Bosco? Um, you know, do you have kind of a, a deal where, you know, you get some free time and, and you get to, to get these guys up on the boards or pick their brain, you know, what's, what's some of that kind of look like? Do you have a, a kind of a, a way to do that? I know when guys would come through broken arrow, I was never going to go away empty handed. I was always going to take every <laughs> chance I could, man, No to, doubt. to try to, to try to grab something or, you know, find a way to get a pen in their hand and, and see what they'll give me. Oh, no doubt. I mean, it's, um, yeah, it's definitely, uh, one of the, the, the perks of, of working here is you're going to get every major college program in, in the nation coming by and, and recruiting our guys. And, um, I mean, usually they're coming up to our office and after they do their, their due diligence and getting the names down and getting transcripts and whatnot, there's, I just don't want pen and be like, Hey, <laughs> I might just ask them, what's your favorite, what's your favorite run scheme versus this defense, which whatever it is. I mean, whatever, whatever thing I'm looking for, for that week or, or that day. But um, we also have the, the opportunity to, to go visit some of these places too, as well. And I mean, that, that, that to me, I think is still one of the best things. Um, that I've done as a coach is just taking a college visit and just locking yourself in a film room and going through installs and going through cutups and uh, going through and watching their spring practices and seeing how they operate in their meetings and uh, just seeing how the culture of different places leads to their success or, or leads to the, to you know, their program being the way it is. So, um, you know, we're, we're very lucky and I'm very lucky to get the opportunity to, to take a visit. We took a visit to Georgia and Clemson. Uh, last year and I mean that that was an amazing experience just being able to see I mean Kirby Smart operate and 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 get to see uh, Clemson's offense and Dabo up there and just how he just how he, he is from you know just no cameras on he, he's in a meeting with with some guys and just how he operates and then going over to the offensive meetings and you know I got to sit in on, on their staff meeting and just see how they communicate and how they collaborate to build their offense. It was, it was, um, you just don't, you don't get experiences like that. You know, just, I'm, I'm very lucky. <laughs> very, very lucky. Well, I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more coach. I, I, and I got extremely lucky. It was my very first year after my very first year of coaching. Uh, we all went down to, or we went up to uh, Michigan was holding what they called the greatest um, coaches clinic ever or so, something ridiculous like that. But anyways, we went up to Mich Michigan and, and it was this two or three day clinic it was supposed to be, uh, amazing and they did they had some good coaches talk and all this and then uh, coach walls happened to know a guy that was on the Michigan State staff and, and so we only got about an hour and a half at Michigan State before we had to leave uh, and but we got to do exactly like you said we got to go to Michigan State lock ourselves in a film room and they said okay here's all the cut-ups watch whatever you want we'll have this GA come in every once in a while answer any questions you have and that was the best experience I had ever had and I was oh, yeah. like, I, I was like, I, I don't understand why I would ever go to clinics hardly. I mean, I know it's <laughs> important, but I don't know why I'd yeah. ever, ever hardly do that anymore if I have the chance to go up to a yeah. college and go watch film. And now I've done that, you know, at least every year at a different place. And um, it's unbelievable just what you can grab from that, even if it's an hour there compared to three hours or three days at a at some clinic where yeah, it's exactly. clinic talk. 
Yeah. And you, you hit on a, on a really good point, actually. Um, you know, the, the guys you want to hit up when you, you take those trips are, are those GAs. Um, those are the guys that, you know, have maybe sat in multiple meeting rooms and kind of get you a whole global perspective sometimes. And they're a lot more accessible, obviously, than, I mean, for me to go sit with, you know, Tony Elliott, it's like, well, he's a busy man. He's got stuff to do. I mean, right. it's like, you know, you know, I know you want our guys, but geez, like you got to make a living and you got to make sure that you guys are scoring points and whatnot. But, um, you know, find those GAs and getting those guys numbers and hitting those guys up is definitely, uh, it's always, uh, it's always pretty cool because they're a lot more accessible and willing sometimes. And some of those guys are the next, you know, big names. Some of the guys are coming up. It's just, you know, they're, they're just in waiting. They're going to put their time in and they're going to be the next guys to, that you'll see in 10 years. Yeah, I always thought that was so true. I mean, like you said, getting those guys' numbers and then, dude, they're the ones that made the cut-ups. I mean, <laughs> let's be honest, yeah. you know, the, the, yeah, the college yeah. coach didn't do anything. I mean, they're the ones that tagged it. They're the ones that made the cut-ups. So yeah, if there's like exactly. se- secret film stash and things like that, those are the guys that, like, like yeah, hey, you, man, give me, give me the good stuff. Exactly. You, you second or third trip there and it's like, hey, man, like, I know you got some stuff back there. I know you got some installs and some different things that we haven't seen and you know come on man <laughs> yeah and they're the ones that like you know hey can i can i get a call sheet or can i get you know a, a calendar of how you guys install it during yeah during fall camp they're the they're the guys that'll freaking slip you the you know the zip drive or something like that oh, so you like you said th- those are the guys you want to know and then, and then obviously like you said those are the guys that are going to take care of you while you're there so if you do do them a solid you know give them a hat give them a shirt you know buy them a meal or something like that I'm telling you, it that stuff goes a long way. There's no doubt. It about does. It. it does definitely. Well, I know certain guys that, uh, and I won't name any names, but certain <laughs> guys that'll bring in their own little zip drives, and they're very, very tiny. Um, oh they no! Slip those in that? there, and, <laughs> and they get that? they get they get all sorts of stuff. Um, except for, I guess, some of these really, really big time uh, programs. Uh, they somehow don't have those they, anymore. They don't. They there's even if you do, it's all locked down on its own yeah. server. Um, they tried to do it, you know, um, allegedly at, at some pretty big places or even at the, the next level past yeah. that, and, I, and it was I, yeah. locked down. <laughs> I think you can honestly take something out of the Pentagon easier than you could probably take something out of Alabama. I know that for sure. <laughs> yeah, I think you have to, like, check check in your cell phone and everything yeah. probably. You, you have to give a DNA sample and <laughs> fingerprints and all that stuff before you can walk into to Alabama. So <laughs> That's right. But uh, it's so, I mean, it's, it's really, really, uh, it's exciting. And even if you go to a program that uh, isn't a great program, uh, but they play a bunch of te- uh, good, uh, good teams. I mean, I've gone to some places and, and uh, not necessarily cared a ton to watch their film, but uh, they played Alabama that year and yeah. had nine games of Alabama. So I got to sit there and watch Alabama for nine different games. Yeah. I think there's good, there's good film all over the place. I mean, I, I remember back in like 14 um, looking at, Bowling Green. I got a full season on Bowling Green cutups and what they were doing with their receiver splits and 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 basically with eleven personnel football with receivers standing way outside the numbers. I mean, there's some there's some intriguing stuff that they're doing, and sometimes you get some better schemes uh, and some better ideas out of those teams because they have to be a little more creative because they don't have you know LSU talent you know hanging around all over the place, and you can't just run by a dude and that's your solution. It's like you know, you have to cook some stuff up and create some opportunities to get guys open and create some numbers advantages. So, you know, I've, I've found sometimes in my research that, you know, that's where some of the best stuff is, is, is when guys don't have the talent and 
they've got to be creative to, to be explosive. Coach, what are some things you do, you know, say you have, you know, again, you don't have to give away all your secrets, but, you know, say you have kind of that one stud receiver that, that people want to take away and, and want to, you know, double him. And maybe now I, I don't have, you know, the, the two or the three, you know, the two or the three my in my receiving core to maybe that they're going to be the guy that can, that I can really just go to all the time and win all the time. I still got to find ways to get my best dude the ball. You know, what might be one or two uh, solutions or things, or maybe it's a route or two that, that you kind of like to go to when you, when you have that, that dominant, you know, say X receiver. Yeah. Uh, I would say one thing you could definitely do is don't put them in the same spot. Mm -hmm. I think, uh, you know, a lot of times when you, when you just put one person in, in the same spot that that's the only guy that they need to stop. Well, there goes your brackets and there comes your double teams and, and looks where you're going to get someone in, in, in their face or disrupting them. Well, I think if you move them around a little bit and you get them in different spots, it makes it at least a little bit harder for the defense to communicate and to get whatever plan that they have to take that person out of the game uh, into play. So that's one of the first things I would do is just, get that guy moving around different spots and, and get him to play and maybe start him in the backfield and, and motion him out. So you know, who knows if it's zone coverage, you might not be able to get a DB to play on him. You know, if it's man coverage, now you're, you're going to get a free release to get off the ball. Uh, and I think motion, I think you motion guys around and make it harder for them to, to track you and to double you and to get them into a place where you're, you're getting taken out of the game. That's really interesting, and, and mostly because it's something that I've been looking at lately because uh, in the past I couldn't care less about uh, receivers or, or anything in the past <laughs> game because all I care about is the linemen uh, in the run game. But now, you know, I get to watch some of these uh, colleges, and, and I've been in offensive line, coached it long enough now that uh, some of the other stuff is interesting to me, and, and that's kind of been one of Coach Walls' thing is, you know, what, what are different teams doing with their dude to get him open, you know, what if a defense mm -hmm. has a stud corner? How well then? How are they getting their dude the ball? Or what if, like you said, a team brackets them all the time? How are they getting them? And and it's been really cool to see. Um, I think, like you said, how much teams move around their guys now and yeah, put them I in mean, the inside receiver or put them in and the reasons, you know, hearing the reasons that that that's good and then what teams can do to take it away has all been a, a really cool thing for me to start trying to learn this off season. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you take a look at the NFL, and that, that's, that's half of the game. It's like, you know, it, it really is about matchups and players more than, than the schemes. The schemes are just there to get those guys in a situation where they can just win their one-on-one. -on -one. So I think you take a look, and it's like, you know, all the condensed formations and stuff you're getting, all the motion stuff that you're getting, you know, it's all to get that guy loose and give him an opportunity to just get a little wiggle room. Coach, how many uh... – how many routes would you say that you carry as far as, you know, concepts? I mean, you, I guess you probably say, how many do you maybe carry total? And then how many would you carry kind of, you know, into a week when you, when you compress it down? Uh, I would say we're, we're about a dozen, you know, concepts. And, you know, within that we can tag and we can kind of create different wrinkles within it. And I feel like uh, that can give us a lot of uh, variability without taking up a lot of teaching. So, um, you know, we have about a dozen concepts that we'll, we'll carry with us all season long with a couple of wrinkles um, in a game week just to, to give the defense something else to think about and something else to defend. Um, that way we, you know, we're not running out of time to get all this stuff practiced because I feel like if you're just running everything under the sun, you know, you're, you're not really getting good at anything. And when it's, when it's nut crunching time and, and you got to run something that you're really good at, you know, you, you can't really put your finger on what that is. 
do you find too? I mean, I, I think, you know, to me being in, in high school and, and having so much time, I guess, especially for us in the summer, we get, you know, a lot of time with our guys. I, I think it's, so, it's so much easier now to coach the passing game because of, you know, seven on seven and the opportunity to go throw to me, you know, if you're having problems, you know, executing things in the past game, it's because you're, you're probably not doing enough time in the off season. Anyway, that stuff mm-hmm. should be done beforehand. Yeah. Um, you know, we definitely get uh, a little opportunity here and there to, to do it. Um, you know, we, we, for the most part for the off season, we're kind of really focusing on, you know, physical development and, and, and that side of it. So we, we don't go out there and I don't want to burn the kids up too much we're going out there throwing a ton but um we do a little bit of work in our, in our football class um we get a chance to kind of roll the footballs out and kind of work one or two concepts a day and uh versus one or two coverages and really kind of start to teach things slowly and then ramp things up as, as we get closer to spring and, and fall and, and summer practices but we do get a chance to kind of get some things in so it's not like a, a huge shock when it comes to spring ball Coach, when you have such a, a prolific, you know, quarterback in, in high school um, and, and then you – but you also see, you know, even what – especially what college is doing and, and even some of the NFL quarterbacks where, uh, you know, some of these zone reads or power reads or just being able to run it all with the quarterback. Um, but if you've got such a good one at the high school level, how do you, um, how do you personally weigh – um, you know, adding an extra, you know, you, if you run with the quarterback, you, you're adding an extra guy uh, in the run, uh, but he's also um, a, an unbelievable player at quarterback. How do you weigh the, the pros and cons of that when you're calling plays in, in, uh, throughout the season? Well, I think it's um, – I mean, well, I, I'm, not very many people have a quarterback that, that's the size of DJ. I mean, he's about, about, I mean, he's built like he's built like Team Tebow. I mean, he's 6'4 and 240. <laughs> so I mean, it was crazy. There's there a there's a couple of plays where, you know, we broke down protection. We got free blitzers from De La Salle, and guys are bouncing off of him just because, you know, he's a he's a five star athlete. That's an amazing athlete and strong. So I mean, getting back to the the question, it's, you know, it, it's what's what's the what's the reward I'm getting here? What what am I getting? And do I have something else in the situation that can get me what I'm trying to get without having to run them? Uh, we did run them in, in some games, and, and there's there's some situations and opportunities where, you know, hey, let's add an extra hat inside, and let's let's add another another number to the blocking scheme, and let's try to let's try to get a plus one. Um, but it all you have to factor in the risk and reward because, you know, we we take a look at our offense and how much of it went through his hands. It's you know, if his hands aren't catching that snap and making those decisions, well, what happens to your offense at that point? So. You know, you're constantly weighing that and weighing the amount of shots he's taking in the game just because, uh, you know, if, if you're slamming, you know, your, your quarterback in there all day long running power read and whatnot, then, well, you have to be ready to play with the next guy up because every opportunity he gets is another opportunity for him to, to get himself injured. So, I mean, that's something you got to constantly weigh and, and put in the balance of things. Coach, how many national titles is DJ going to win in, in college? Oh, oh my gosh, he's <laughs> he's spectacular. I mean, he he's just uh, you know, this again, just the type of character he has, the type of person he is, the way he's grounded. I mean, the sky's the limit for him. I mean, really, it really is. Uh, it's amazing how Clemson's kind of run into uh, the next big thing at quarterback every single year. It's since uh, <laughs> you know, a Todd Boyd. <laughs> so. Just yeah. a string of guys they've had in that room has is, is been pretty spectacular. And 
you know, I think DJ is going to be able to carry the torch and run with everything that, that Trevor Lawrence is doing right now. I mean, he's, he's every bit as impressive as DJ and it's going to be amazing to see what happens uh, in the next couple of years when, when, you know, it's, it's his turn to, to go to bat. Well, coach, yeah. it, it's been um, uh, an awesome hour, but, but kind of rolling up on that hour now. And, and the thing that, um, that I always like to ask to kind of end everything is when you're watching another team's offensive line, what's some things they'd be doing that would make you think highly of their offensive line coach? Um, I would say communication. I think uh, an offensive line, if you see them, um, you know, talking before a snap and, and pointing things out and getting on the same page, you know, they're IDing blitzes and they're, they're pointing that stuff out before it even happens. Like that stuff, you know, you guys have watched film. The coaches have hammered that in blitz pickup and team. And they've been trained for that situation. I mean, I, I think um, yeah, that, that's really impressive when, when I see that. And, and guys, you know, that's one of the hardest things to do. You're getting five high school kids to work together in, in the right direction. And that's, that's not always easy. There's a lot of personalities in that room. And um, a lot of things that go on with the dynamics of coaching offensive line and, you know, a ton of work that you got to do. And I, I think uh, when guys can communicate and be on the same page, that's pretty impressive. Well, Coach, man, it's been a blast. I know, uh, you know, you obviously have, have come highly recommended, you know, not just your, your reputation at, at St. John Bosco, but with, uh, with Coach Vass, who, who we've had on, and he's talked highly of you. It's, uh, it's been a blast to, you know, message back and forth and, and be able to, to spend a little over an hour talking to you. And I, and I know I, I hope we, we can continue to stay in touch. And if we ever get out in, uh, in Southern Cal, man, you, you better believe that we're stopping by. Come on out <laughs> anytime. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys, make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.